1: Welcome, everybody. I'm your host, Roz, here at the opening line on the Believe Podcast Network. Do you believe? If so, it's time to get started. Let's go. minutes
0: right It go.
1: What's up, what's up everybody, this is the opening line, you are here with Wits and Roz. Today we are joined by a very special guest, my former college roommate and the Buckeye expert himself. We're joined by Matty Ice Freezer over here. Matt Freeze. how are we doing today?
2: We're doing great. It's a pleasure to be on. Thanks for having me, guys. I know.
1: It's been a while. We've had some of our other roommates on. We've had some other Dayton kids on. We haven't had you. Um, I'm, I'm excited for this because me and you disagree... In the college football realm, I mean, when it comes to the Big Ten, I think me and you have a lot of disputes, and we're going to cover that today. We're going to get into that just because the NFL draft just occurred, and I want to give your congratulations and all of Buckeye Nation a congratulations for Nick Bosa going number two, um, fell behind Kyler Murray. Give me, give me your initial take on that, Matt. What are you thinking in terms of Bosa falling behind Kyler Murray, or Kyler Murray? I can't even get his name right here on the show. Was that projected? Do you think that's the right call? And if you're the Arizona Cardinals, did you just waste a pick back-to-back years on a quarterback?
2: So I'll answer it in two parts. I don't think that they wasted a pick in back-to-back years. I think they got it wrong with Rosen. I think they, I think they got it right this time around. And my whole philosophy on the NFL draft is you draft – for the best player available you don't draft for position so had i been in their shoes i would have made a different pick because myself along with most of the expert analysts in the world would agree that nick bosa was the best player available in the entire draft and that's who i would have gone with um and i do think that if the cardinals would have taken nick bosa that kyler murray would have fallen quite a bit in that draft because there's not a lot of teams that it would work with kyler murray um but I think that with Cliff Kingsbury there in Arizona, um, I think the system's right for Kyler Murray. It's not going to shock me at all if he goes out there and kills it. Um, so I think it might work out for them, but I, I, it's not who I
1: would have drafted. And I,
2: like, I, like I said before, I think Nick Bosa is the best player available. All right, so you're a
1: Michigan fan. Do you still say the same thing about Nick Bosa?
2: Still saying the same thing. Nick uh... Bosa,
1: far and away, best player in the draft. What What about you, wits? What are we thinking? In the top two picks, Bosa was so highly touted the entire season. I know Arizona might not have been in the in the vicinity or looking for a pass rusher, but they land on Kyler Murray. Did you see this going that way? and are you okay with the way it went?
0: Yeah, I'm okay with the way it went. I agree with Matt. I mean, looking at you know, pairing up Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury. You know, like what Matt said, Kyler Murray does not fit into every system, but I thought this was too much to pass up for the Cardinals here. Kind of disappointing taking a quarterback in the first round back to back years, but, you know, that is really the one position in the NFL that you need to, you know, you need to have a good quarterback to win in this league. So I don't fault them at all for taking the guy who they think can take him to the next level. Um, Hard to pass up on a guy like Nick Bosa. I mean, the guy's just such an animal, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, how his career fares out next to his brothers. Um, but Matt, I wanted to ask you a question. so we had an interesting pick a quarterback at number one, and I thought even more of a surprise at number six with Daniel Jones going to the New York Giants. Um I think this surprised a lot of people. What was your take on the Jones pick? Was it uh anywhere near the realm of possibility for you watching the draft?
2: No, it wasn't. I mean, I honestly, I almost spit my beer out when I saw the draft. jack was <laughs> kind of like my reaction. We well, got to tell us what uh, beer that's you're
1: that's drinking. Not- I mean, I was drinking Coors Light. You know that. I w- so you're totally uh, retired Natty Light. Totally. I haven't
2: touched it since college and never will. Okay. Although I
1: am intrigued to try that, that new strawberry lemonade flavor.
2: That looks okay. If I go back to you UDL, <laughs> I'll that.
1: Yeah, you're definitely uh, going to have to come back yeah, and give us a review on that. <laughs> I will. But pick six came in with Daniel
2: Jones, and I know that um, you guys are going to think I'm biased as, as the listeners will as well knowing that we've talked about how I'm a Buckeye fan. I was mind-blown that, um, that he went before Dwayne Haskins, but even that, that fact aside, it just didn't make any sense to me. Um, I, I, I was reading a little bit about the, the rundown of that pick earlier, and I saw, I saw a stat that really popped out to me. Uh, it said in the last 15 years, not a single quarterback has ever made the transition from college to the NFL and increased their completion percentage, and Daniel Jones threw for 59% in college. So if you're a believer in numbers, it's almost a sheer fact that he's going to throw for worse than 59% in the NFL. Um, and then, and then another thing is just Daniel Jones has never once taken a game into his own hands and taken over and dominated and won a football game by himself at the college level. So I don't understand why the giants are betting on the fact that he can do that at the next level. The right. move really made no sense to me other than from a sheer intangible standpoint, he's got a lot of potential with the six six frame and the fact that he can move and he's an athlete and he seems to have a decent IQ potential there, but this is honestly, it looked like a Cleveland Browns mid-2000s quarterback draft pick to me. Dude,
1: <laughs> I, I, I'm going to go with, you're going to have a lot of bias on this episode, but I'm not going to blame you here, to be honest. I think Daniel, Daniel Jones is at Project, and I'm I'm a little concerned because I don't know how much Eli Manning has left in the team. So to potentially have this kid stepping in almost right away, I think is completely wrong as well. And I actually did like Dwayne Haskins much better I know that I was really harsh on the Big Ten all season long, and we'll get into that in a second here. But to me, Daniel Jones is a guy who's going to need Darren Rodgers treatment, maybe like four years on the bench, maybe even a little bit longer. Maybe he turns in, at best-case scenario, just a Ryan Mallett, some guy that keeps getting floating around the league as a backup Perfect. quarterback. Um But it was shocking, because there's two teams we're going to pick on, and I think all three of us on the line are okay picking on these teams. It's going to be the New York Giants and the Oakland Raiders. I think they drafted horrendously, and uh, if anybody's listened to the show before, you know that Wits and I have already put John Gruden on the snip list, so there's no real coming back from that. But before we get into the team specifically, let's get into the discussion. Big Ten, SEC, rest of the field, Matt... Can you still honestly sit here and fight for the big Ten? I mean, it's been year in and year out where we get the Alabamas and the Clemsons of the world in the playoffs and winning games. I do know that they had the most picks in the top fifteen, in the big ten, but why is it that they don't perform on the field when it comes uh, regular season time
2: uh well I, I I don't think that that's true um we we root sorry, I'm not going to say we and make this one and could be by, you could be a week. Okay, but the Big Ten as a whole ends up in I, I I don't have you know a stat sheet sitting in front of me, but I want to say that we send more teams to bowl games than any other conference, and if not, it would be tied with the SEC. Um, there's only two teams that have won more national championships in the Big Ten in playoff era, being two for Alabama, two for Clemson, and one for Ohio State. The last two years, Ohio State has gotten snubbed out of the playoffs, which. And last year, a non-conference champion Notre Dame took a spot of deserving Ohio State and deserving Georgia. Um, and the year before that, Alabama didn't even win their conference and went to the national championship or went to the playoffs still. So I, I think that the playoff system right now kind of prevents you from really being able to make the statement that you just said for the fact that the Big Ten's not going to the playoff as much unless it's Ohio State because Michigan can't get, keep it together and always get their hopes crushed at the end of the season. I just want to um, say that before we so, yeah.
1: continue. That's the best thing for people defending the Big 10 and mostly this goes to Ohio State fans. You want to the, to defend the Big 10 all you can, but then you start talking about Michigan and you just start <laughs> shitting out on them again. Like there is no love loss and them being as bad as they have, has ruined, I think, the Big Ten and is why they aren't giving as much love when it comes down to the committee voting who should be in the playoffs. And by the way, 13 SEC teams got bowl games. Nine Big Ten teams got bowl games. Don't worry, Matt. I'll pull the stats up for you when you need them. Um, you, need, you need the Big Ten to start stepping up on a different level. It can't just be Ohio State this, Ohio State that. And yes, they're going to need to win the big games, but... Before that, they're going to need the teams they beat to also win big games. Well,
2: look at 2017 while I'm talking now, because 2017 I know that we went undefeated in bowl games other than Michigan. Um right. So it always comes back to Michigan losing, and honestly, I hope this isn't true, but I think Michigan's going to have a chance to jump to that next level now that Urban Meyer is out of the Big Ten. Because I think I, that I agree. Jim, Jim Harbaugh had a. I think Jim Harbaugh had a bit of a mental complex facing Urban Meyer, um, because I mean it's. It's now two years out of the out of the five-year playoff that Jim Harbaugh just had to win his final game of the season, and he was a lock for the playoff. He was ranked three or higher twice and went to went to Columbus and lost both times and got his ass kicked. Um, and it wasn't that we had the better team; it's that he melted down and couldn't beat Urban Meyer. So I think that they have a chance now. Like I said, I hope that's not true being a Buckeye fan, um, but. I don't know. I I stand by it. I think the Big Ten is the best conference in football. I really don't believe in anybody in the SEC outside of Alabama and Georgia, and the ACC is a
1: wash other than Clemson. So I agree about the ACC. And which I don't even know where you you are. are.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I kind of agree with Matt here. Um, You know, Alabama, I think, takes so much of the weight of the SEC on their shoulders. They've been the best team in college football, and it hasn't even been close, you know, really for the past 10 years. I know that Clemson has won, you know, two national championships. But we're gonna, if we're gonna look at the past decade, you know, domination. Ten
2: years, Alabama kind of close,
0: right? So, you know, I think that makes it harder to compare, you know, them representing their whole conference, comparing to the Big Ten. But, you know, looking at Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State, Wisconsin. I mean, I think next year we could really see a breakthrough. In the Big Ten, you know, I love Ohio State. I'm I'm a big Buckeye fan as well. I don't think I'm as big as Matt. But, you know, seeing the Wolverines, if they're able to win a couple big games, you know, they've been basically sitting on a playoff spot, like you mentioned, the past couple years and haven't been able able to do it. Um, Penn State as well. So the Big Ten, I think, you know, this is a team that if they're not already the best, I think the next couple of years we're going to start to see them kind of take over college football a little more, especially if some of those back-end teams, you know, like Wisconsin, Iowa, if Nebraska can start playing, you know, any sort of good football like you're used to seeing from the '80s and '90s, I mean, this could be an even more of a dangerous conference. So well, I like the, I like the trend here. Well,
1: here's my thing for both of you guys, and especially Matt. So who did Alabama have to play in the SEC championship game, Matt?
2: In the SEC championship game this year, they had to play uh, Georgia, right?
1: Right. And what do you say about Georgia?
2: I said that Georgia was a deserving team.
1: Okay. Now, let's take a look at the Big Ten. So when you win the Big Ten, and I'm talking about just winning the Big Ten East, you then go and play some team that arguably should be a D1 AA school in the Big Ten West. I mean, let's look at these records here. You've got Wisconsin 5-4 and four in the conference, which is second best. I understand Northwestern won 8-1, and one, but this is because the rest of this side of the division is absolute trash. We have Purdue, Boiler Upstra face. At five and four, Iowa Hawkeyes at five and four. Who did just have two tight ends go in the first round? Very nice. Nebraska, Minnesota, three and six. Illinois, two and seven. Where's the competition, Matt, when it comes to a Big Ten championship game? Okay,
2: they, yeah, the the sides of the Big Ten are definitely mismatched, but what does that matter? That just makes Ohio State, Michigan, the Big Ten championship every year.
1: It's just that it's played a week early. Yeah, but I think that still, hurts them every single year when it comes to voting I, by the committee.
2: I don't think it does because you still like I mean this year when we when we beat Michigan final week of the year they were ranked number two and had the number one overall defense in the country. So it's like that was the Big Ten championship. I don't think it matters that Alabama and Georgia are on the opposite side because that conference as a whole has nothing like the Big Ten does. They have Alabama, Georgia and then it's over. Whereas the Big Ten You've got two teams that have made the playoff in the last two years: in Ohio State and Michigan. Three years: Ohio State and Michigan State. Then you've got Michigan and Penn State, who have finished at the five or six spot basically every year for the last three years. I mean, the conference is loaded. I think I think Xander hit it on the head, dude. Alabama just like they are so dominant that there's just this perception that it's just totally false that the SEC is dominant. Where it's like Alabama just owns everybody's soul, and then hey, Georgia's really good too. And so it makes the conference look a lot better than it is.
1: I think Jim Harbaugh is at fault for pre-ejaculation. I understand that they were the number one defense. Now, now let's take a look at the last two games from Michigan, who you were just giving up this credit to. 62 points to Ohio State, 41 points to Florida, and that's the capper of the year. I don't know, man. Was that a really number one ranked defense well, what you're probably not realizing is that they had five starters sit out on defense in the
2: bowl game against Florida. So I wouldn't really Ooh, use that. That would hurt
1: bets. Did you bet that game? I know you're a big bowl better. I, I haven't bet in quite some time. It, it took over my life a little bit. So now
2: I'm spectator.
1: <laughs> well, that's, that's the theme of this show. It has taken over the life of pretty much everyone who comes on and gives. Gives a nice interview. I mean, it, me. It, it took me to the took the, took me to the hole. I'm still betting with your brother, by the way. If anybody wants a bookie, our guest today, his brother is actually uh, is our bookie, but um, we won't give names because I just realized that's incriminating. Um, but uh, <laughs> wit wits, try to defend me a little bit. Are you you can or if you want to stay on Matt's side, stay on Matt's side. But other than the players who were drafted in the top 15, it really appears to me that the Big Ten is behind the SEC, maybe even the Big 12. I just want to be rude. I'm going to be a little rude.
0: I don't think they're behind the Big 12 by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, you, you could definitely make an argument on either side, and I think it, it might be a little stronger right now, you know, with the SEC. Um, but like I was saying before, I think Alabama just carries such a heavy weight in that conference that it, it's almost hard to judge anybody else. Um, you know, both players, they had a lot of guys drafted in the top 15 um, definitely exciting to watch. But I, I wanted to get Matt's take on another interesting pick. That was actually before Daniel Jones. Um, at number four, the Raiders took Clellan Farrell out of Clemson defensive end. And I was, I was pretty shocked by this pick because I thought not only was he not the best defensive player on the board, but I felt like they could have traded down to 15 or 20 because that's where he was slotted to go um, and maybe picked up another defensive guy or maybe even two you know, with where they took him. So, Matt, I wanted to get your thoughts, you know, how how early was this pick, and what did you think about it now that, you know, the draft's all said and done?
1: Also, don't hold yeah, back. I, if you have to be mean towards your John Gruden, just let it rip, even though he went to Dayton. I I
2: fucking hate John Gruden. Love so it. I hope that, that makes <laughs> me buy on this as well. But he's a clown. He traded away amazing assets, and he was loaded in the first round this year. And let's not put it all on him, right? Their GM worked in tandem with him to come up with these draft picks. But Cleland Farrell finished at hours before the draft. Mel Kuyper put out his official final 32-ranking first-round draft picks, and Cleland Farrell was going 32 to the New England Patriots.
1: Wow, which you would have liked. we got to let people know that Matt Freeze is also a major Patriots fan.
2: This is true. Which we'll get to later. Mel Kuyper is not the end-all, be-all. It's not to say he should have gone 32nd, but it gives you some context around it because we all know how credible he is. Um, and, but yeah, I, I also agree with you that I think he was I think he was top three defensive players in the draft, and I would have loved to have had him on my team. So I don't fault the Raiders for wanting him, but I think that they could have traded back to between the – let's call it pick 20, and they could have been very confident they'd still be able to pick him, and they could have picked up probably a second-round pick for going back that far. Um, to move all the way up to four, um, so I, I think it was an absolutely idiotic move for them to take him there. Even though he's a great player, and I think he's going to have a fantastic
1: career. He's great, but is he Khalil Mack great? And that's not what he's been rated as, or not shows the same player. intangibles.
2: He's he's not half the player that Khalil Mack is. But Josh Allen might have been,
1: and might be. I mean, that's what that's what I've been reading.
2: Josh Allen might be and so um, so might be Montez Sweat from Mississippi State who fell to like twenty five.
1: Yeah, it's that hard stuff. I, I mean I, I don't trust yeah, that. It,
0: it's just uh it's just yeah, a scary thing to have.
2: Stuff.
0: Right. Yeah, oh, how yeah. about um how about um Devin Bush and Rashawn Gary, two Michigan guys. Oh, God. Um I know Roz, you got your opinions oh. uh, on Gary to the Packers at number twelve. Um, I thought he was a little bit overrated. I think Devin Bush is a great player, but Matt, what do you what do you think about these two guys coming from the Big Ten, coming from Michigan, and they had a great defense this year? And you know, how big of an impact are these two guys going to have on their respective squads?
2: So, I'll talk about Rashawn Gary first because I know a little bit more about him. I remember watching his high school football tapes because I follow the Big Ten recruiting really heavily. Um, that guy, I. Just going off my memory from what was now five or six years ago, I want to say was the number one recruit in all of high school football when he came to Michigan. Uh, yes, he was. Okay. Um, never lived up to half that hype. I think his best season oh. at Michigan, he oh. had eight. I think he had his eight sacks his best season at Michigan. Never once disrupted a game and took over. Um, I think he might have had single-digit tackle for loss this season. That dude is still a what could be, and he went far too early. Oh. Hit that pick number twelve. I was I was very sad for Nation when they made that pick, but I'm so mean, heartbreaking what everybody's been hoping for a long time.
1: Yeah, because Devin Bush is he's the sexier Michigan pick here, isn't
2: he? Devin Bush is definitely the sexier Michigan pick out of those two. Um aside from his outfit that he wore to the draft. I don't know if you guys saw that. That was that kinda. Yeah, wasn't it there like a sling?
1: He had like a white sling <laughs> yeah. going across. Yeah,
2: that was a little alarming. But he's a good player. I I would take him over Gary any day on my team.
1: Very fair. Because trust me, since I'm going to get into it now that we're bringing up Rashawn Gary, if it weren't for moving up to get another Big Ten player uh, and Darnell Savage Jr. from Maryland, I would say our first round was just like the Raiders' first round, just an epic bust. Like, we have the opportunity. We have multiple picks. Again, the Giants are up there with a bust of a first round having multiple picks. Uh, but I do like the safety. I think he's been great. Rashawn, Gary, all I've read is the first projected bust. I'm like, the fact that you have a projection of busting, it doesn't suit well for you. I mean, you're already in the hole, and we just signed two edge rushers wasting the rest of our cap. So not sure. They took the you approach freeze where they're going for best value at the potential draft spot, and they went with Rashawn Gary. Heartbreaking for me, um, but uh, I guess we're gonna have to. We live and you learn. You take Michigan guys, and uh, you hope that uh, Harbaugh didn't screw them up too much.
2: Yeah, I uh, I wouldn't put my money on that. I don't really trust Jim Harbaugh, but hey, for you and your Packers, buddy, I hope it works out.
1: I mean, we're gonna be better than the Patriots this year, so it's all good. We have uh, we have the best twelve <laughs> in the business. I mean, That's not even
2: a laugh that I just
1: made that, uh, let's just, let's just go into your Patriots pick. Apparently the Patriots, I kid you not reading this article as we speak had one of the best drafts this season or this year. And it starts with Nikhil Harry at the end of the first round might be the big steal might be the next Randy Moss has the speed size, the ability to go up and get the ball You give that guy to Tom Tom Brady, look at this, this guy, me and wits go about this all the time. He has had Julian Edelman, he's had a lacrosse player in Hogan, he's had Danny Amendola, who's on Molly half the time he's on the field. I mean, he's had nobody catching for him other than those two quick Randy Moss years. Now you give him this big bad wolf, I'm telling you, that's one hell of a pick.
2: Yeah, I uh, I probably saw the same article that you did, with, which was ranking the team's drafts, and I think I saw the Patriots. is uh, isn't in the top three. I can't remember the exact order. Um, I would agree. I think that the Patriots and the Redskins overall had the best draft, but um, you know, being a Patriots and my brother texted me before the draft asking who I want the Patriots to take, and I said, I don't know where they're going to be able to get them, but if I had it my way, I 100% want them taking and kill Harry and Jarrett Stidham at some point, point. Um, and that's pretty – Pretty rare that I got two of the people on my wish list. So I'm definitely happy as a Patriots fan. I think kill O'Hara is the best receiver available. I am thanking the Lord that they didn't take DK Metcalf. I think that that draft stock was entirely inflated by social media and the pictures of him. And I think that he's <laughs> probably where he should go. Um, kill harry is going to be a monster. I, I can't wait to see what he can do with Tom Brady. The, the numbers he put up in college were wild. And a lot of people didn't see him because he was playing out in the West Coast and it was late at night and things like that. But I think the dude's going to be a monster for years to come.
1: You got two of your players on your wish list? My God. See, I'm just waiting. So I'm already part owner of the Green Bay Packers. I'm waiting for the call to uh, enter the front office because I think I'm the next best GM for the Green Bay Packers. And I got nobody on my wish list. Zero. Didn't get Irv Smith Jr. Didn't get any of the tight ends from Iowa. Didn't get Jonah Williams, who was picked the one pick before us. I got nobody, and the Packers made no efficient moves to get anybody. I mean, I didn't even get the safety I wanted, but hopefully Savage is a savage. Um, so I'm impressed that you uh, you got your guys. That makes drafting so much more fun, or at least watching. Uh, but the Patriots, man, this Stidham thing is interesting because I think – Late round guy, has no pressure at all, has a good arm, his accuracy went down from his junior to senior year, so that's a little bit of a concern, but again, this guy's going to ride behind Brady for four more years if Brady doesn't find another elixir and last another decade. I mean, it just doesn't look like it's ending for Tom. I have no idea what's going to happen there. No,
2: I think I think everybody has heard probably a hundred times, by now that Tom wants to play to at least 45, so that's three years from now, three and a half years. I think he's coming up on 42. So yeah, he's got no pressure to perform early. He's going to have time to develop kind of like a Jimmy G situation, but the timing is going to be better that when he's ready, Tom will be ready to walk away. Um, And I don't know how much you guys have watched Jarrett Stidham, but Auburn wasn't really a great fit for him. It's honestly surprising that he still went as high as third round, but I remember watching Jarrett Stidham at Baylor three years ago before he transferred and this guy is a gamer. He's got an incredible arm. When he's in the right system, he's one of the better players that were available. I think that Auburn really hurt his draft stock, honestly. Um, So I think it was a steal for the Patriots to get him. I think it's going to work out timing-wise for him riding behind Tom
1: right and if he doesn't fall in the mold of sec quarterbacks then which i don't think he does because auburn like you said ran a completely different system i think you do you have the potential to have this guy be really large for the team once tom departs and if not at least he could be like a buffer before you find the next great quarterback but i'm still under the influence that Bill Belichick is like stocking something. He's going to get up and end up with the first pick in the draft when Trevor Lawrence comes out and the Patriots are just kind of another reign with a superstar quarterback. Hey, we'll,
2: we'll see, man. But somehow, somehow it always works out for Bill, regardless if it's going to be the first pick he ends up with or the last. He'll, he'll always find a way to win. So we'll see. All
1: right. So we're going to run through winners and losers of the draft. So what I'm going to do for you guys is I'm going to bring out the winners and I'm going to bring out the losers all through this article. I'm going to let Witz go first since it's his show, and Matt, you're going to follow. You're going to have a quick hot take or a quick cold take if you feel going the other way. You can agree or disagree, but give a quick take on why or, and why not. Witz, we're going to start off. Big winners of the draft Arizona Cardinals. I'll let you know I completely disagree, but it's your turn to speak.
0: I think the Arizona Cardinals had a winning draft. Um, looking at obviously first pick overall, drafting a guy who might be the future of your franchise. I mean, say what you want about him right now. They had a guy they wanted to take, and they took him. I can't fault a team for that, just like I can't fault the Bears for taking Trubisky a few years ago. And that experiment has yet to, you know, see its final down, but we'll see how it goes. I also liked uh, the Cardinals' second-round pick and Byron Murphy. I thought this guy was a very underrated cornerback for the Washington Huskies. They made quite a few good picks, and, You know, this was a team a few years ago, like we talked about with Carson Palmer and Larry Fitzgerald, that was on the precipice of making the Super Bowl and the fact that they've fallen this far. I mean, I think Kingsbury might be the guy to turn it around here. I thought he had a pretty solid first draft, so I I agree with the article. Um, You know, I like the draft here, and I think, you know, I think they're going to play a lot better than they did last year.
1: Freezer, you're up, buddy. Oh, sorry, I was waiting for you to cue
2: me in. this is is like uh what i
1: was gonna say this is like that show after oh no around the horn where it's like you guys both made it to the final round and you guys go literally one after the other
2: i got you i got you um honestly
1: i gotta i gotta
2: be honest i i didn't follow the cardinals a whole lot after the early rounds but i think for the the sheer fact that they got their guy and kyler murray number one they had a winning draft i i think that i said earlier that he would be you know a mismatch in Almost all 31 other teams, but I'm not going to be surprised if this dude just turns this team. I think they won two games last year, maybe three. I think Kyler Murray's the guy to get them to at least six this year. Um, I think that I think it's going to be really fun to watch this guy in the system, and that he's going to have some early success, almost kind of like a Baker Mayfield-esque season from last year. So, I think from that standpoint alone, quarterback is your biggest biggest need every year. So. I call it a win for the Cardinals.
1: All right, we got double wins. New England Patriots, we just talked about it a little bit, but Witt, if you got a hot take on it, are they winners, are they not?
0: They're 100% winners, and a guy that we didn't even talk about yet really was their second-round pick, who I thought was their best pick of the draft, was cornerback Juwan Williams. Um, I think this is a guy who's going to surprise a lot of people, and it seems like the Patriots, they just develop talent better than anybody in the game you know, for the past uh, almost 20 years. And that's one of the reasons they've been so successful, you know, taking guys, like you mentioned, Chris Hogan, lacrosse pair, just all those kinds of stories along with having the best coach and the best quarterback, you know, arguably of all time. um, I thought they had a huge draft. I love their first round pick as well. And I think an interesting player um, that we could see a little bit, you know, in the years to come is Chase Winovich. I think he's a a vintage Patriots player. um, So we'll see if he's able to make some noise this year, but I, I love the draft. And, I think they're going to be great again. Yeah, I,
2: I I think I already made my point pretty clear just about five minutes ago how I feel about the Patriots draft. But most definitely call it a win. Um, and, and an interesting point there with the second round pick and that corner out of Vanderbilt. Myself included, where I, I watch a lot of college football and I, I didn't know that guy's name um, coming into the draft. <laughs> Neither did I. And yeah, I don't think I don't think most people did. And I, I looked him up and researched. If Bill a knows lot your name. That's, that's all that matters. For. Right, and Bill Belichick proves himself that he's almost always smarter than everybody else in the room. And I was reading about this this corner that they took second round because I saw them take a corner, and I wanted a corner, and I was honestly pretty pissed off at the fact they didn't take Greedy Williams there. I thought he was the best corner in the draft. And I was reading about this guy from Vanderbilt, and this guy passed up Alabama, Georgia, every big school under the sun that you could ever think of, and went to Vanderbilt instead. And that's probably why a guy like me has never heard of him, which is kind of a sad fact. Um, but I always trust in, in Bill Belichick, and I already said picks one and three and, and Harry and Stidham were great as well, so I'd call it a win.
1: All righty. Lincoln Riley, big winner. He had Marquise Brown go in the first round in his second straight year that one of his quarterbacks was drafted number one overall. He also saw saw Cody Ford, geez, can't speak right now, go 38th overall, Bobby Evans 97th, Drew Samaya fourth round, and Ben Powers of 123rd pick. Winner Lincoln Riley, or do you still think Nick Saban holds the crown?
0: Wow, that's a great question. Um, I would say for this year, I, I think you'd have to give a little bit of an edge to Lincoln Riley, um, just because of the fact that being such a new and young coach, you know, in college football, the fact that Oklahoma had so many pro prospects this year, I think was was a major reason why Kyler Murray was so successful. And the one thing I do worry about, you know, with him being on the Cardinals, is he no longer is playing for. You know, five pro prospect offensive linemen like he was with the Sooners. Um, Arizona Cardinals really struggled to protect Josh Rosen last year. So, you know, we'll see. I think Kyler Murray is great, but we'll see how good he really is. Um, But getting back to Lincoln Riley, you know, the the way the way he was able to recruit and develop talent at Oklahoma this year was was awesome. And it was fun to watch. And I think he could be the next great coach in college football. Um, You know, the system. You know, the kind of, kind of guy that he is, the way he's developing players over there. Um, I have to give him a little bit of an edge this year just because he's the newcomer. Um, so maybe it's had a little bit of a LeBron-Mike Trout effect. You kind of get tired of the same people coming out on top. But uh, it was a great year for both coaches.
2: Roz, I uh, I hate to answer your question in, in neither of the ways that you probed me to answer it. But uh, And this is probably <laughs> going to bring out my bias even more. But I, Oh, my I think God. Absolutely. Look it up. I think the Buckeyes had the most players drafted in the entire draft. And if it's not number one, it's going to be number two or number three. So um, Urban Meyer and Ryan Day have to be mentioned in that conversation as well because I know that we had nine players drafted. Um, so needs to be part of the conversation. But hats off to Lincoln Riley. I didn't really believe in that guy when he got promoted to head coach at age 33. It was a couple of years ago and two back-to-back Heisman winners and number one overall picks. And Baker Mayfield already making him look like a genius. So um, Yeah, I was going to say, I, I mean – I- I look-
1: There should be a DNA test because Lincoln might be Lincoln Stoops. He's so – I mean, me and him got our driver's license on the same day. That's how young he looks. So, I mean, take away the Buckeyes, Matt. I, I will give you a win for Urban and Day. Who wins, Lincoln or Saban in the last two years or just this draft alone?
2: Um. I'm going to go with David I uh I haven't seen enough yet from like I said Baker Mayfield is playing like he's going to be in Canton someday but too small of a sample size from Lincoln Riley at this standpoint. Like I I don't even know that I am confident in putting money on that Marquise Brown's going to end up being a great NFL player right. Um, so too early to say but not going to shock me if Lincoln Riley ends up taking that crown. But for now, I'm going to stick with Saban.
1: There we go. Now, this is a fun one because these are two guys I think I can throw the ball further than and even more accurately. Winners of this draft, Josh Rosen or Lamar Jackson. I'll say Josh Rosen going to a new place, maybe a little bit less pressure, and you get to be in Miami, hang out with DJ Khaled and all those beautiful people down there. Or Lamar Jackson, who just got two wide receivers who were quick, big, and are ready to make big plays. I mean, Marquise Brown, from what I've heard, is a once-in-a-generational talent in terms of his speed. I know he doesn't have the height to back it up. But of these two, who's the winner or loser? Josh Rosen, Lamar Jackson, give me the winner.
0: I think Lamar Jackson's the bigger winner just because I think he's in a much better position right now. I mean, being a starting quarterback on a playoff team that just added a lot of talent on offense – Um, Say what you want about how he performed in that playoff game against the Chargers. But I think Lamar Jackson has a pretty bright career ahead of him um, and kind of might bring back that old style of football that we don't really see anymore in terms of the running game. So I think, you know, the position that he's in, the defense, that is the Baltimore Ravens. uh, I like the situation much more for Jackson here, and they just got even more talented. I'm interested to see what happens with Josh Rosen, because I think he kind of got a raw deal in Arizona. That was a really bad team. He didn't get any protection, and he could end up just being not a very good player, but I don't think we really got to see him um, develop at all. You know, he's kind of thrown to the wolves, and that was it. So we'll see if he gets the starting gig in Miami. I don't think it's 100% you know, for sure that that's going to happen, but I've got to give my winner to Lamar Jackson right now.
2: Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna have to agree there. Not um, Contrary to you, Xander, I don't think that Lamar Jackson has that bright of a career ahead of him, but going with the question of who won from this draft, I think Lamar Jackson won immensely over Rosen. Um, also looking at the off-season leading up to the draft, um, the Ravens added a lot of talent on offense. Um, I mean, just alone with um, adding Mark Ingram and Marquise Brown, I think that that is going to help Lamar Jackson immensely and take some pressure off of him this year. And as far as Rosen, man, I don't, I don't have any faith in that guy. I don't think he demonstrated the, even the ability to perform in the NFL this year. I know that his offensive line was miserable. Um, But I've just never even really – I've never been impressed with the guy. And even if he does come to the standpoint where he can physically play at the level he needs to, that is one of the most smug and arrogant and just kind of off dudes that I've ever really seen in the NFL other than Aaron Rodgers. Sorry, Roz, but he's so good. Hey, not on this show. Not today. today. I followed it up by saying he's so good it doesn't matter. But with Josh Rosen not being that great, just the aroma that he puts off I don't ever see an offense and a team rallying behind him and at that position that's what you have to have you got to be the leader and have the whole team behind you so i I, I don't think it's going to work for josh rosen anywhere I'm um, sure he won he got some more sunshine in his life and there's beaches there but I, I Lamar jackson won this draft far more than josh Rosen did
0: Matt, Matt how do you really feel about Rosen I feel like they didn't get all the details I, <laughs> I, uh. can, go,
2: I can go on He's
0: not- <laughs> Not to mention I need another 40 minutes of this show
1: just to defend Aaron Rodgers. I'm his lawyer. Take him to court. I might have to do this on another episode when Freeze is in here. We're moving to the losers. If you want to make it quicker, feel free. I'm going to give you the names. Bigger loser in this draft, Dave Gettleman, GM of the New York Giants. Just keep in mind that he shipped Odell Beckham and Olivier Vernon, both pro bowlers, away for draft pick this year in the first round. They took Daniel Jones, who we got Matt's opinion about that earlier, and then some other jamoke that I can't even remember at this point in time. Oh, Dexter Lawrence, who was projected as a second round value, or Mike Mayock and John Gruden, the Raiders, they're already as sniffed as can be, but you know what they did. They gave Khalil Mack to my arch rival, the Chicago Bears, and ended up with a guy who might be half the talent he is, as well as Josh Jacobs, a running back out of Alabama, who will follow most likely in Trent Richardson's footsteps, as well as some other, again, Jamoke, I can't remember at this point in time, but who's the bigger loser, loser, Dave Gettleman or Mike Mayock slash John Gruden? Wits, hit him.
0: Um... I didn't like both the efforts by these guys in the draft, but I think the bigger loser for me is Mayock slash Gruden. Um, you know, the Giants say what you want about Daniel Jones, and I thought I thought Matt summed it up pretty nicely that the guy really hasn't shown the potential to win at any level. Uh, but the Giants saw a guy that they liked, um, stuck their necks out for him, so I can't fault him for that. I mean, maybe a couple years from now I'll be changing what, I, what I'm saying, but I actually like the Dexter Lawrence pick, Roz. You know, I thought whatever issues he went through in college, I thought that this guy's going to be a force on the defensive line, and I thought it was the best pick of their draft. Um, a little bit of a reach in the third round. O'Shane means I don't know if I said that right, but overall, I thought it wasn't a bad draft for the Giants. The Raiders, on the other hand, you know, we talked about Cleland Farrell being a huge reach at the fourth pick. I would say he was definitely a first-rounder, but at the fourth pick, I thought it was way too much. And then, I'm taking running back Josh Jacobs, but I think he's a great player, but you know what, Alabama running backs first of all do not have a very good track record in the NFL, and then I they think would have the Ra- a better time at the Nathan's hot dog eating
1: contest. You put Eddie Lacy there, boom, you got a winner.
0: I think Derrick Henry could take down a couple dogs as well. Oh yeah, um, but I just think the Raiders. I think they needed to do more on the defensive side of the ball, and they just Josh Jacobs is a good player, but I thought they could have done a couple other things. And overall it was, you know, B minus C plus draft for the Raiders. And I thought oh, they could have done more.
2: I'm going to go the, I'm going to go the other way here. and I'm going to tell you how I really feel again. Cause David Gettleman is one of the people I hate the most in the NFL. As <laughs> oh well. man. He uh, deserves
1: some spitfire right now.
2: He is the worst. And I haven't said since I've been on the show, but I live in Charlotte, North Carolina. So that where I'm from, people are very familiar with David Gettleman and his ineptitude And he single-handedly ruined the Panthers after their magical 2015 season, let Josh Norman and three out of their four um, DBs get away from them that franchise has been paying for it ever since. Went to New York. Um, He's in the big apple. He's in the spotlight. And just because of the first pick alone, absolutely terrible draft. I think he set them back even more than he already has by sticking by Eli Manning, which I think we all know it's time to move on from that as well um I think David Gettleman has no place in the NFL and I think he showed that again in this draft this year so I'll keep it short but it's hard to do worse than the Raiders and he did it
1: yeah let me tell you as graceful as Tom Brady is making this exit look which it's still not looking like an exit the Manning brothers really went out kind of rough I know Manning won a Super Bowl but he basically had to be wheeled there in a wheelchair like the Manning brothers are slow sloths that are just like dying out of the league. They, they they needed to leave earlier than they both planned to, but my God, it has been tough to watch. But we're going to move on. You Charlotte man, you were reading my mind. Cam Newton comes up as one of the big losers after Will Greer was drafted, and then Ryan Fitzpatrick, another loser with the whole Josh Rosen going down. I know there are two players at two different magnitudes, but who's the bigger loser? Cam Newton, who they didn't draft a wide receiver for, and they brought in Will Greer instead, or Ryan Fitzpatrick, who was on his ninth life with the Dolphins until they traded for Josh Rosen.
0: Oh, Cam Newton is by far the biggest loser here because, I mean, looking at Fitz, Fitzpatrick is a career backup for a reason. I mean, he's shown some spurts that he can you know, throw for 400, 500 yards a game, but there's a reason that he's never really truly had a starting gig in the NFL for more than a couple of years is because he's a backup. So I think if Josh Rosen is really, you know, half worth his salt at all, he'll beat out Ryan Fitzpatrick at some point. But Cam Newton, on the other hand, as talented as that guy is, um, you got to worry about, you know, what's his career longevity like? I mean, I know he kind of revolutionized, I think, the running quarterback again, being a bigger guy who was able to stay on the field. But I just have a feeling at some point, you know, the injuries, his body's going to start breaking down a little faster And he would like, and, you know, obviously not taking any receivers and drafting Will Greer, who, you know, was a guy who I don't think was a top flight talent in college football, but was a guy who was in the Heisman conversation. Seems like he might have, you know, the skill it takes to possibly lead an NFL team one day. So I got to think Newton's my biggest loser here because I I just don't think it's really a fair comparison on the same tier.
2: Yeah, I'm going to agree 100% with that. That Cam Newton's definitely the bigger loser here between the two because, I want to say off the top of my head that Ryan Fitzpatrick is 36, 37 years old. Um, I think in his mind, and in everybody's mind, best-case scenario, he plays this year, for the whole year. I don't think he's expecting much beyond that. And I want to say that they only signed him to a one-year deal. Um, and then also, like you said, he's a career backup. So I think it was a smart move for Miami. And then I think the draft pick for Greer. Um, one, I think if, if you guys didn't hear the rumblings, Cam Newton was you know down to the ninth hour getting shoulder surgery about four weeks ago. Ended up avoiding the surgery and he's going to be able, ready to play this year. But I think that his career longevity is is not it's not long. And he's really only had one great year in terms of having a complete season. He did revolutionize the running quarterback. But um, I don't see him being the, the franchise guy that's carrying the Panthers to successful seasons for more than two or three more years. So I'm going to say Cam's the loser there.
1: Yeah, it's tough to watch. I really did like Cam. I just... Ever since I started betting on him, my perception of him has gone way, way, way down. Because when you cost me money, it's just over. Like, I I don't care for you anymore. You owe me some money. And these guys are making so much, it probably wouldn't matter to them. Um, But we move on. Final losers. Final topic of the day for everybody. It's between two teams. Who is the biggest loser between the Detroit Lions, who, let me preface this, they have drafted a tight end in the first round three times now. In the last decade, TJ Hawkinson being the latest, it was Brandon Pettigrew and Eric Ebron. If you remember, Eric Ebron was taking one pick before the Aaron Donald. Pardon me for using the, I took that from Ohio State. Um, and this year, arguably doing the same move because Ed Oliver has been uh, or evaluated as an Aaron Donald-esque player. But they go with TJ Hawkinson, who I've also heard the Gronk and the Jason Witten comparisons. But three tight ends in a decade, in the first round, an organization that has been piss poor, or the Houston Texans, who they did land Andre Dillard, who can, who can help. Um, or actually, they didn't land him. They just missed some of the Eagles. They needed a, a lineman in front of Deshaun Watson, a guy who's constantly on the ground. Um, and it doesn't look like they picked anybody that is going to be able to stand up and protect them. I don't see a lot out of this Texans draft, but who had the bigger loss, the Texans or the Lions?
0: I'm going to have to go with the Texans here. I just think the Texans are such a talented team that I think they've really not lived up to expectations the past couple of years. I mean, looking at the defensive end position alone, those are two generate maybe once-in-a-lifetime players in J.J. Watt and Jadavion Clowney. And the fact that they've you know been bounced out of the playoffs in two pretty lackluster efforts the past couple of years, really disappointing that they didn't do a better job you know to make a push, like you said, Ross, to help protect Watson a little better. Um, their draft, I thought was just very underwhelming and, you know, the first round pick Ty- Titus Howard coming from Alabama state. I think that's just, I think that's just going to be a really big jump in the NFL coming from a college like that. And the lions, I mean, the lions, I think are just, just a step up from the Browns in terms of the decision-making over the past 10 or 15 years. Um, and TJ Hawkinson is a great player, but they just signed Jesse Adams. And it must have hurt seeing Eric Ebron catch 60 touchdowns last year for the Colts. So, you know, I think that might end up hurting. You know, them not taking that Oliver there when they could have. But I think the Texans are the bigger losers here because they just have so much more potential. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm
2: gonna agree with you, but for a different reason. I I'm gonna I think the Lions. I don't. I wouldn't even really call them a loser. I think I watch a lot of Big Ten football, as you guys can probably imagine from this from this <laughs> podcast today. But the I Big Ten football cool. watcher. Yes. And I think that TJ Hawkinson is going to be, nobody ever will be, but he's going to be a close thing to the next Gronk. This dude's a monster. Um, he's a former basketball player, which you've seen the trend of the tight ends that dominate today's league. Almost yeah. all of them that are the big name guys were big post-up guys in basketball, similar with TJ Hawkinson. The dude is a freak. So um, it's a sh- you know, they really messed up with their other two tight ends they took in the first round in recent years, which is a pretty rare pick. Um, but I think the Lions got it right with Hawkinson. I think it's going to make them. I think it's going to make them look smart. And I'm not a big. I'm not a big believer in Ed Oliver. Don't think he's a good team guy. Um, he kind of showed that with his antics this year at Houston, get you know basically physically assaulting his coach and then sitting out for important games there at the end of the year. Or so um, I think I think it was a. I think it was an easy pick to go with him in nine. So um, I think the Lions definitely won compared to the Texans.
1: Well, that has been our winners and losers. Matt, you took us the length of the episode today, so thank you so much. Matt, real quickly before we let you go, one, who do you have winning the NBA championship?
2: Who do I have winning the NBA championship? Well, if I had a gun to my head, I'd say the Golden State Warriors. Um, No gun to my head, I'm going Houston Rockets. That's who my money would be on Good Value Day, and I think they're a great team unfortunate to end up at the end of game one, but we'll see here tonight. I think they tip off in 15 minutes. So I'm going love, with the Rockets.
1: Love that. Love the value pick here at the opening line. Matt, anything else you want to say to the audience before you go? Any pitches? Any plugs? Are you trying to sell anything? What's going on in Charlotte, North Carolina with you? Uh,
2: what's going on in Charlotte? Everything is, everything is great, man. Uh, the only thing I'm going to plug is watch out for my Buckeyes this year. I'm telling you, they will—they will prove you wrong that the Big Ten is the superior conference. And uh, thanks for having me, day, today, guys. I'll, I'll be uh, glad to join anytime you guys need a guest in the future. And well, we're you. gonna need
1: you for Buckeye
2: season. Well, I'm always I'm always readily available as long as the Buckeyes aren't playing when you're recording. So
1: no, we I'm would all, never do that. We are, we are avid sports watchers. We would not be recording during that show. But again, thank you so much for coming on. It was super dope having you here today. Witch, you got any final words? Obviously, we'll be back again next week. Um, what else is going on with you?
0: I you know I'm just excited. I think we found a Big Ten college football stalwart on the show in Matt Freeze today. So I'm very excited for college football to start. I get real tired of basketball, so hopefully we'll we'll, a few months around the corner um, talk a little gambling as well. So, yeah, thanks a lot for coming on the show, Matt.
2: Yeah, yeah, of course. It was a pleasure.
1: Thank you all for listening. You know where to find us. We're on everything podcast, Spreaker, iTunes, Spotify, somewhere in the intergalactic world. You can find us pretty much anywhere. Reach out to us on Instagram. Freeze is on there as well. I just don't know his handle at this point in time, but feel free to reach out to him and tell him how much his buckeyes are gonna suck. I'm at Ethan Rose 4. Xander's at Xander Horwitz. It has been an absolute pleasure doing this show for you guys today. We'll catch you next week, everybody. This has been the opening line. Peace out. I play the cards, time to cash in. All the girls here was looking like Maxim. Movie star like so it's lights like camera action. So let me direct Only one word matter So let's call it respect Tell <laughs> I'm locked in From the minute I walk in Through the middle of the flowers, So let call it collect yeah. Well I don't need a game plan I rock the club Like a motherfucking caveman